0: Everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Middle alanai Softball Podcast. Believe it or not, our final regular season episode as a number of teams across the conference played today. Um, some interesting results, some kind of what you expected, some a little bit of both within the same game. <laughs> um, but primarily uh, focusing on a... Double header sweep uh for Metamora, uh defeating number six LaSalle Peru by six, seven to one to be exact. Um, and defeating number seventeen Sterling six to five. Well broadcast highlights in a little bit. Uh also talked to both Coach Linder and Ellie Schaefer, who had another awesome game. Uh in terms of how how the day played out, I mean, I guess you got to start with LP. It certainly was not the best game in the world to start with. Um, defensive miscues um, weren't able to capitalize um, on base running opportunities. Um, it, it wasn't looking good. Now, granted, you kind of expected that in a sense that. You knew it wasn't going to be easy against a team as good as LaSalle-Peru. Uh, Cavaliers entered the day number six in the state, 28-4. and four. Um, You, of course, do also have the caveat of it's the last day of the regular season. You know, I don't want to say teams aren't giving it their all, but they probably are off the gas pedal just a wee little bit because, you know, yeah, you save your energy up for the big postseason rounds starting next week. Uh, for 3A, 4A, anyway. Um, and, you know, so that that did, I think, kind of play a part in how things panned out today. Um, but but the good thing is, got it out of their system. It's kind of the thought I had after the game. It's out of their system. It's postseason time, fresh slate. As the saying goes, everybody's 0-0, record-wise. Um, and, and you move on. Um, but as back and forth as it might have been... Um, or <laughs> reverse back and forth, not in a good way. Um, well, Sal Peru got two runners on in the first, second, and third innings, stranded all six. So, I mean, they were getting the opportunities, but they could not turn it into a run for the life of them. Um, and into the fifth inning was when Metamore finally cracked uh, Sophie Eaton was the starting catcher for that game. Uh, I never got an official answer. I presumed to have given Maddie Mooney the game off so she could just have to catch the one game instead of needing to worry about catching both. Um, so Sophie got the start behind the plate in game one and hit a home run. Um, her solo home run led off the top of the fifth inning that got Metamora's scoring going. And Ellie Schaefer uh, had an RBI single as well. Uh, So at that point, and I mean, I I wish I could just like wave my magic wand and be like, I knew exactly what was going on. Um, But but in general, considering how the game had gone to that point, um, maybe a little bit uh, on Sophie's home run, but not as much on that as it was on Ellie's RBI hit where I was kind of thinking, I think we'll be all right. Uh, just got to limit the mistakes, like I said, that they had made to that point of the day. Um, and for the most part, they did. Um, and, and the big thing is not only finally getting on the board in the top of the fifth, um, but limiting any potential further damage in the bottom half uh, when the Cavaliers got two more on, they would actually end up stranding ten by the end of the game, and as good as that may sound, Metamore didn't do a whole lot better. They ended up only stranding or stranding eight, I should say. Um, but the Cavs stranded two in the fifth. Nora Johnson shuts the door with a strikeout, or Sydney Trentman, rather. I'm still caught on the Sterling game. Um, but Sydney Trentman shuts the door with one of her eleven strikeouts. Sid was awesome today. Um, and then at, at that point, like I said, get runs up on the board. Hold them scoreless. You're back up at the plate, maybe feeling pretty good. That switch gets flipped. One, two, three, top of the sixth from Metamora. Vibes are maybe not quite as positive as they once were. Um, and even uh, a base runner for LP in the bottom of the sixth. That was stranded, which ended up being their ninth base runner stranded of the game. Um, and at that point, only two, nothing. And I think the comment I even made on air uh, was calling LaSalle Peru's bats a sleeping giant. Uh, Because I I don't want to get into too many technicalities, especially as we're talking here after the game. Um, But going into the day, you saw a lot of offensive stats where, you know, probably one of the better hitting teams, Metamora, has seen, at least in terms of on paper statistics, maybe all season. Um, in fact I I've got the scorebook right in front of me and I don't I don't want to waste everyone's time, but it's I, I know it's not often, if at all, that the opposing team has scored more runs than Metamora on the season. And that was the case going into the Metamora LP game where LP had scored two hundred and fifty three runs and the Metamora's two twenty-eight. Um it, like I said, it probably happens every now and again, but it certainly, I think, is a testament to uh, how quality a hitting team LaSalle-Peru typically is. And, I mean, to a degree they were. Like I said, they just weren't able to turn them into runs. Um, but, it, like I said, going into the seventh, you're thinking, okay, maybe we're all right, but like I said, they're a sleeping giant. You need to score more runs. You, you, you need some kind of insurance um, in in reality, assuming uh, that those that sleeping that metaphorical sleeping giant will finally awake um, in the bottom of the seventh, and come to find out, um, it would kind of, um, but the big difference, Metamora batted around, uh, got things going with Mallory Bennett drawing a lead off walk, which I know I'm beating a dead horse here. Fortune favors the leadoff base runner, right? Y'all that have listened for multiple episodes know I've said that probably about a thousand times. Uh, but Fortune favors the leadoff base runner. Mallory Bennett leads off with a walk. Kennedy Knee sacrifices are over. Cadence Till draws a walk. Katie Ramage, a fielder's choice. Ellie Schaefer, a single. By the way, I think it was prior to that point, point, um, two runs had scored um, on an error. There was a ground ball to third. They wanted to make the easy play at first. It was a check down over to first. Quick look back at third base. Throw it over to first. They did. The throw was off, but not like away, just off. Um, first baseman still made the catch, but then they decided that the better idea was to go home because, well, now that we know we're not going to get her at first, let's at least try to limit the scoring. And that throw went haywire and went back to the backstop. Caden Till scored. Katie Ramage scored. Kayden's actually deadgum near got tripped up uh, crossing home plate, um, but she was okay and everything, but just kind of a funky play there. Um, and at that point, uh, Metamora, you know, kind of like I was saying earlier, if I, if I didn't think that things were already in good shape on the RBI single, um, when Addie Pasha, uh had a two run single on the top of the seventh, I, I kind of knew, okay, we got this um, again with the million-dollar adage of if we play how we should or if we finish the game out how we should. Um, and they did. Uh, did get one more RBI hit, Kerrigan Hartnett uh, got an RBI single, um, and it would come all the way back up to Mal in the seventh inning, uh, meaning Metamore brought 10 batters to the plate um, in the seventh inning. Um, interestingly enough, though, uh, and I, I mentioned this on the broadcast too, um. As detrimental as that seventh inning ended up being, I mean, 26 pitches for a 10-batter inning is not horrible, all things considered. I mean, with multiple RBA hits, multiple walks, I mean, you're probably thinking, you know, at worst or at the lowest mid-30s, low to mid-30s, I would think. Um, so that Visconti, the starting pitcher for LaSalle and Peru, was able to keep it in the 20s, I think, um, is, I suppose, a silver lining in that inning. Uh, But at that point, just as you would expect, Metamore had it locked up. Uh, LP did get an RBI single in the 7th to set the 7-1 final. But the interesting thing about that ballgame, in terms of its finality, uh, had Metamore been able to hold LaSalle and Peru off of the scoreboard, it would have been the first time all season that LaSalle Peru had been shut out. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. Uh, but I think that says a lot about Metamore on the defensive side of the ball, um, that they dadgum near shut out one of the better hitting teams. Coach Hubie told me this. I have to agree with him, especially on paper. I didn't. I haven't gotten to see the Cavs a whole lot this year. But at least having on-paper statistics to back his comment up, I, I do think Metamore has got to take a whole heck of a lot of weight um, from dadgum near shutting, out, shutting them out for the first time this season um, and, and, in the end, still only limiting, li- limiting them to one run. I, I'm going to stop briefly. Um, as we're recording this, uh, Liberty, uh, on the college level, leads number two national seed UCLA, and the Bruins are down to their final strike. Not just in terms of the game, in terms of their season. Um, and I mean, does this become, you know, whether or not UCLA is overrated? That's for you all to discuss. But is this one of the greatest, at least recent, upsets in college softball history? Other than James Madison a couple years ago, UCLA, they ground it out, and UCLA's done. Liberty defeats UCLA in the region tournament, and oh my goodness, UCLA in the Los Angeles Regional has gone 0-2 and been eliminated on their home field. Unbelievable. Wow. And kind of to that point, and how about I use this as a segue? Uh, Menomor did beat LaSalle-Peru 7-1. Um, but what I'm about to get at is the Sterling game uh, and talking about how you don't look past the team. Seeds don't matter. Rankings don't matter. Just ask Sterling. They lost to Notre Dame. Um, but I, I think this Liberty team is a little more than just, an unranked, just any other unranked team. Um, selflessly, as an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, I feel like that makes their game against Liberty look a whole heck of a lot better. Um, let's see here, and, uh, okay, ESPN just flashed up a graphic that said UCLA is the highest uh, seed, highest national seed to be eliminated before the Super Regionals, um, but wow, down goes UCLA, not just for the game, but tournament-long elimination, um, so congrats to the Liberty Flames, no doubt about that um but back to my point where this time of year you don't overlook anybody you don't want to nor should you um and metamora didn't necessarily do that against LaSalle peru winning seven to one um i'm harping on that more so for the sterling game uh but final line for sydney uh, 101 pitches seven innings six hits one earned run three walks and 11 strikeouts to bring her season total to, I believe, 87. Uh, so pending how Sid is used in the postseason, how Nora is used in the postseason, is there a remote chance that Metamora has two 100 strikeout pitchers? Um, which I would imagine that's not too horribly common. Um, not to keep harping on Lamont, but uh, maybe the Marjetko girls, uh, Sage and Rhea, uh, may, maybe both have 100, but that would be, I would think, my closest guess in terms of the teams that I know of that have two pitchers that are capable of 100-plus strikeouts in a season. But nonetheless, uh, Sid and Nora have been crushing it this year, obviously, with a combined sub-2 ERA by plenty, actually. I think it's like a 1-3-something. Um, but obviously a really awesome job by her in Game 1. Uh, Ellie Schaefer, three-hit game. Addie Pace, a two-hit game. Kennedy knee Cadence till both had two hit games as well and again the big the big blow uh, was the 10 batter five run top of the seventh inning for Metamora and segueing that into uh, the Sterling game um, and I, I even kind of said this about the LaSalle Peru game I feel like there were so many instances of stuff happening that LP could have pounced on that Sterling could have pounced on to try and potentially win the game. And Metamore was able to withstand that. Um, Sterling was more of the same. I mean, let's start right out of the gate. 33-pitch first inning, seven batters, two hits, two walks, one run. And at that point, you know, on, on one side you could be like, well, it's only the first inning, you never know. Anything can happen. On the other side, it is kind of like, I mean, could only get one run on 33 pitches. Uh, So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Metamar did end up getting the job done. Um, But, you know, back to that point, uh, you have the one run first. Could probably feel a little better, but not feeling awful, all things considered. Um, Bottom of the first, strand a single for Sterling. Um, Nora in the circle for game two, of course, um, but obviously that went fairly well to start. Uh, then Metamore goes one, two, three in the second. Um, Sterling did an awesome job behind Ellie Lee um, in that first inning in terms of you know not letting bad become worse. Um, but after the one, two, three second, you're thinking, well, shoot, they already did a pretty good job of limiting the damage. Um, in the first, and now they go one, two, three on a six pitch inning. I mean, goodness gracious. Um, and so attitude can kind of changes a little bit for sure. Uh, then Sterling uh just unloads, uh, a single, an e five, a two run home run, and a single, and that changes the game. Uh, from a one nothing Redbird lead to a four one Sterling lead. Um, and it does it does make you kind of float the idea of it is not not is the game over at that point, but certainly, there's no way that there wasn't at least a fraction of doubt. Um, I'm not necessarily saying,, um, in those in jerseys, but just in general, thinking about how the game looked,, um, the trajectory of the game, if you will, from a metamorph perspective um but I, I don't know why i keep doubting this team and i don't really too excessively uh but it's pretty easy when you go down 4-1 and actually it would expand to 5-1 on an RBI double that you know you just thought with the way um you know at that point you're kind of like oh maybe you know maybe they're thinking oh it's 5-1 you know end of the season game doesn't really matter you know, kind of, kind of ride into the sunset and hit the reset button for the postseason, and that's kind of what I had in the back of my mind too. Like, you know, what we're going to lose this game. It kind of need it one, one last little kick in the teeth before before postseason play and and back to work. Um, <laughs> uh, then the sixth inning happened. <laughs> um, by the way, before we even get to that sixth inning, Ellie Schaefer doubled, um, which made it a six hit day for Ellie. Uh, between the LaSalle Peru win and the Sterling win. Uh, she's our post-game player interview here in a little bit. Awesome job, Ellie. Uh, I told her that in person. I don't know if she would listen to these things, um, but awesome job by her nonetheless. Uh, so that was before the sixth inning. Um, and like I said, I don't know why I ever let one little ounce of doubt creep into my head personally um when this team has gotten behind on the couple of occasions it has. Because um, in the top of the sixth, um, Bailey Bender single, Maddie Mooney single, Kennedy knee three-run home run. Uh, had the two-home run game against East Peoria. Hits her third home run of the season. Third home run within the week. <laughs> and actually third home run if you want to be technical. Uh, is, it, is it within the week? Should be, right? Third home run in four days, <laughs> um, which is pretty cool. Um, but Kennedy had the three-run home run to make it a one-run game. So, you know, whole new resetting of the slate, per se. Um, then on a, on a real funky play, um, Metamora scores two runs to take the lead on an errant throw. Um, and yeah, uh, scored two and went ahead on a play where Ellie Schaefer reached base. Um, but, and I I will say, I got to give credit to the home plate umpire who was extremely helpful in terms of, I had my headset on, I couldn't hear the explanation. Uh, he was more than happy to re-explain it to me. Uh, but all I was told was that she had abandoned her base and as a result was ruled out. And I think part of that was because she thought she was out, I guess. Because she did leave the bag um, and head towards the Redbird first base dugout. I, I didn't ask Ellie if she thought she was out and that's what happened or what. Um, but that's kind of how that went. And somehow two runs scored on that. And Metamora took a 6-5 lead, which uh, they would never surrender And Dadgum near added on to uh, two seventh-inning singles uh, from Kerrigan Hartnett and Matty Mooney uh, to bring Metamora's hit total for the game to 12 uh, before Nora Johnson and the Redbird defense uh, tied their shortest inning of the afternoon by pitch count uh, with a 10-pitch 1-2-3 inning for Sterling in the seventh, including uh, Nora's last of nine strikeouts that was for out number two. So, Metamora locked it up. Uh, I I tell you what, it's not not for the faint of heart the games this time of year. Sometimes I guess, uh, but Metamora uh, rolls to rolls back with a five six or five runs sixth inning, um, and doesn't surrender that lead. Uh, they weren't able to add on, but the point taken that the defense stood tall and and didn't allow any further runs to cross anyway and they get the 6-5 win over Sterling. Uh, Some mentioned Ellie Schaefer finishes with a six-hit day. She had three hits in the Sterling game. Caden Still had a two-hit game as well, as did Maddie Mooney. Um, Kennedy, a three-RBI game with her three-run home run. Um, And then Nora Johnson, her pitching stats, seven innings, eight hits, three earned runs, no walks, and nine strikeouts. And of course, being the pitcher of record, one hundred and thirteen pitches. By the way, uh, being the pitcher of record, she moves to nineteen and one on the year. And the final line scores were Metamora six runs, twelve hits, two errors, and eleven left. Again, the, the left on bases was what they or were what they were today. But you know, clean slate after today, I guess is is my response to just about anything potentially negative about how today went. Um, but six runs, twelve hits, two errors, eleven left for the birds. Uh, Sterling goes five runs, eight hits, no errors, and five left. Um, and I, I kind of made this comment on the air. I, I think the, uh, the, the postseason is about as welcome as all get-out uh, for Sterling. They've actually struggled pretty mightily here at the end of the regular season in terms of win-loss record over their last like five or so. I think they've lost like five out of the last six, six out of the last seven, something like that. Uh, so the postseason probably couldn't come at a more perfect time for Sterling in terms of circling back to the point about hitting that reset button that is the postseason, um, and they head up to, I believe, Belvedere High School uh, for their regional. And by the way, Metamore, both games get done in fairly reasonable amount of time. In fact, uh, the circling back to LaSalle-Peru real briefly, that game got done in an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> Um for an eight run, eighteen hit eighteen runner left on base game, um you wouldn't think it would go below an hour and a half. Um in fact when I you know, so for those of you that don't know, my scorebook has a start time, finish time spot, uh so I can put time a game down. Um little did I know uh that when we finished it was one twenty. And I, I look at the clock on my broadcast computer and I go, no. No way this game got done on an hour 20. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Probably the quickest eight-run game in the history of softball, it feels like. Um, But the Redbirds got it done in both. Again, 7-1 over LaSalle Peru and 6-5 over Sterling. To finish the regular season, 28-3, which is the winningest regular season since the 2012 year. Uh, when I believe they uh, got to a sectional championship, but were eliminated, if I'm not mistaken. And why don't we just pull that up? The heck with it. Uh, yeah, they lost that year in the sectional championship to Geneseo. Um, that, again, that's this now is the, well not now, it is uh, the winningest regular season uh, since that year. Again, Metamora in 2012, the last time this winning of a regular season occurred. All right, so uh, post-game broadcast episode. That means we got a lot to get to, and that starts uh, with some post-game broadcast highlights. Uh, Again, as per the usual with the doubleheaders that Metamore has played that have been broadcast, which I think there's only like one or two, but the point stands uh, that I'm not going to go through full highlight packages for both games. I'm just going to pick a couple plays out. Uh, that I like from both games and kind of go from there. Uh, so here's some plays that I liked uh, from both the win over LaSalle Peru and the win over Sterling. First pitch swinging, base hit right side. Is it going to be an RBI hit? Addie Pacias around third. She's in safely standing up in an RBI single for Kerrigan Hartnett. Swung on, deep fly ball, left field, and it's gone! A three-run home run for Kennedy Knee, And it's a one-run ball game. And a bit bit stressful, uh, if you will, if I haven't said that enough. Um, But real proud of the way the Redbirds toughed it out. uh, Both games uh, didn't really worry too much about the mistakes they made. Obviously, the mistakes happened live and in the moment, but they moved on. They corrected what they needed to correct uh, and stayed course uh, to get a couple wins. Um, Among a a couple people I talked to after the game, uh, was Ellie Schaefer as I mentioned had an impressive six hit day, um and she has really come into the fold maybe even at the front towards the front of the fold, uh for the Metamora Bats and that says a lot considering how good the Metamora Bats have been this year I think Ellie's become one of the more reliable pieces, uh to the offense and she was like I said awesome today, uh with three hits in the Sal Peru game three hits in the Sterling game and so rightfully so. Here is our post-game conversation with Ellie Schaefer. All right, back here in Sterling now with Ellie Schaefer. And Ellie, obviously the second season here now with the postseason coming up on Tuesday. But, boy... Never count you guys out, huh? Go back to the Marengo game, the comeback you made there, the comeback you made today. Doesn't have to be pretty, but you got it done today. Talk about that.
1: That's right. You know, we just did the – we made the plays that needed to be played at the right times, and we really just worked together as a team, and we really came together.
0: There were some situations where you'd get base runners. They'd get stranded every now and again, sometimes consecutively. But how important was it to not get so bent on – those situations, on any potential mistakes on the defensive side of the ball, and just keep trudging along, and and know that you guys have the potential to make that comeback.
1: Yeah, you know, you never know when it's your time to make that play. So just moving forward is key because you can't dwell on that error because that one error can become two. So moving forward is the key to that.
0: And speaking of moving forward, like I said, you turn to the postseason now. Obviously, this team's got pretty lofty expectations. How do you make sure to balance those while also still just playing to your truest strengths?
1: I think just staying focused. We're a good team. And so when we work together and we do the things that need to be done, just stay focused and we'll get it done. And we're,
0: okay. Awesome job today, Ellie. Thanks. Sorry. I want to thank Ellie uh, for the time and I I wouldn't be surprised if I maybe have got another interview or two uh, left with her. We'll see how things pan out in the postseason. Obviously, it all depends on uh, advancement uh, for the Redbirds. Well, there's your first in-episode yawn. (laughs) Um, Sorry, it's been a long day. Um, But... I I think you know there's there's got to be I feel like she's got at least one more of those type of games in her, um, but nonetheless she's been awesome for the team this year, um, and I can't wait to see how that how that translates potentially uh, to any sort of a postseason run. Also got to talk with Coach Linder, uh, who you know as many times as we've repeated this with him in conversation, both for an interview and outside of an interview, that talking about the mental part of this situation, um, how this game or the way things played out today, regardless of the record being 2-0, uh, how they kind of needed the games to go the way they did um, to kind of rejuvenate the situation for the postseason, rejuvenate the proper mentality uh, going into postseason play. So here is that postgame conversation with Metamora head coach Derek Linder. Next stop here in Sterling now with head coach Derek Linder. And coach, boy, you went out with a bang in the regular season, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got had a good day. You know, a lot of kids hit. We got some kids going that hadn't been hitting, you know, and, and that's just part of the game that you go through cycles. And then the other thing was uh, we got some kids playing that we needed to just in case something happens down postseason. You never know what's going to happen. So it's nice to have backup plans. And, and today, you know, we got some infielders in, we got some outfielders in, you know, and then our, our sophomores came up and did a nice job hitting the ball.
0: There were some situations, and I asked Ellie this too, where you'd get runners on, maybe even in the scoring position, they'd get stranded. You may be a couple defensive miscues here and there, but how important was it for you, think, for the girls to just not get so bent about those next play, keep trudging along, and know that they can come back in those situations?
1: Yeah, you know, you're always trying to file stuff in your, your memory, you know, to be positive. So when something happens coming down here in the postseason, you know, we can say, hey, we've, we've been here before, we've done this before, we've been fine, and, you know, that was another one today that, You know, we've been down, we've been playing bad. You know, we've been able to come back together and and play as a team.
0: Obviously, now the second season starts, as everybody calls it, the postseason. This team obviously has pretty lofty expectations. Some would say lofty goals or whatnot. How do you make sure that despite all those things, that you're just taking it game by game, regardless of what the situation is?
1: Well, you you can have those goals. It's good to have goals but you still got to take it one game at a time because there's nothing more embarrassing than to have a great season and then get beat by somebody you shouldn't have in a championship game.
0: And because that's like what I'm saying, like it could be like, oh, this is awesome. 28 and three winning a regular season in 11, 12, 13 years. But it's a moot point if you lose right away in the postseason, right?
1: No doubt about it.
0: Well, coach, thanks so much for the time. Don't want to keep you too long. Safe travels back home. to thank Coach for the time, and again, the never-ending message of just, you know, on to the next one, new slate. I feel like every team, every sport, every level of play says that going from regular season play to postseason play, um, and that's definitely uh, a point that I would like to see the Redbirds uh, emphasize going into next Tuesday's regional semifinal against the Richwoods Knights. So... Um, Our out-of-town scoreboard segment, um, I would say we'll kind of see how things play out with the postseason. Probably the last time that the out-of-town segment is going to be this expansive. Um, Again, once we get into postseason play, I'm going to focus primarily on the Metamora Regional. um, And, of course, then the Metamora Sectional. um, Because I'll be the public address announcer for both of those, regardless of the Redbirds postseason advancement. Um, of course, as with Metamore as the host, it mean, doesn't matter how far Metamore makes it, I'm going to be the PA announcer. Uh, so by virtue of being there, those are the games that are going to get covered. So hopefully nobody takes that personally uh, in terms of not going to any other regionals or whatnot, but that's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles with the other jobs that I have. That being said, um, like I said, last time out of town is probably going to be uh, this extensive. Um, we're going to start with the Washington Panthers. Um, who we didn't have an episode yesterday, but they lost to a pretty good Mount Zion team. Uh, Minamora played them really early on in the year. I don't really put a whole lot of stock in that game, although I thought they played pretty well. Um, but Mount Zion, unranked at the time, everybody's trying to find their footing that early on in the season. Uh, Mount Zion has made leaps and bounds uh, from that start of the season, I think. Um, and they beat Washington last night 5-3. We're not going to go into that game too extensively because that was yesterday. Today is today. Um, Washington was at normal community for two, and I'm going off their game changer because some doubleheaders both haven't counted. Only one has, but according to their game changer, both counted towards the overall record, not towards postseason resume as everyone knows by now, um, but towards the overall record, um and the Lady Iron did win both games, uh, 3-1 and 4-3. Uh, looking at the box score for game one, uh, Washington seemed to kind of be playing the role of LaSalle Peru from the Metamora game. Uh, eight hits, they, they were doing great. Uh, Carly Vaughn had a multi-hit game out of the lineup spot, which you know is pretty much expected at this point, as, as quality a hitter as she is. Uh, Bailey Herrick had a couple hits. Uh, Sylvia Franzoni had a two-hit game. Uh, Lauren Campamadis and Katie Kovaclaser both had a hit. So, I mean, they were putting bad on ball. They were putting the ball in play. They just couldn't get a run across um, against Leathery uh, for Normal Community, who I believe was the pitcher that pitched against Metamora. Uh, Not that that holds any stock, but, uh, yeah. So, Leathery went six innings, eight hits. No earned runs and one strikeout against Metamore. Kind of a funky line, uh, but almost kind of the exact same looking line against Washington today. Seven innings, eight hits, no earned runs, no walks, uh, and one strikeout. Now, that being said, um, I, I think, and I've kind of talked about this on previous episodes, Washington's an aggressive enough team at the plate uh, that you're probably not going to get a overly high amount of walks, um, but... Leathery, uh doesn't walk any Panthers in this game. Um, Colt Clasier had a double. That was the lone extra base hit. Uh, Brooklyn Ogden, uh, pitcher of record for the Panthers in game one six innings, six hits, three earned runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. Um, and normal community just slowly chipped away. It wasn't like they had a big outburst either. Uh, one run in the first, one run in the third, one run in the fifth so just slowly tacking on uh, Washington the one run came on a fielder's choice um, that Malone McKinley uh, was at the plate for and that scored Sylvia Franzoni that was their one run in the first game and again Washington winning that one 4 to 1 or Washington losing that one 3 to 1 uh, game 2 against the Lady Iron this one was a little different talking about how in game 1 that the Lady Iron had just slowly tacked on those three runs, didn't really have a a surge or anything like that. Um, But this time, the Lady Iron had a big four-run fourth inning. Um, But the Panther Bats were right there once again. Uh, Eight hits in the first game, eight hits in the second game, so do the easy math. 16 combined hits uh, over the course of the doubleheader, despite dropping both games in the end. Uh, so at least in terms of the hit column, absolutely nothing to complain about there. Uh, Leila Harris had a two-hit game. Lauren Campamana had a two-hit game. Uh, Ellie Redling Schaefer had a two-hit game. Uh, three RBIs, two for Redling Schaefer, uh, one for Herrick. Uh, and Louis O'Connell uh, drew two walks, um, which is always a nice stat to see in terms of plate discipline. Um, pitcher record: Bailey Herrick, six innings, nine hits, four and runs, six walks, and seven strikeouts. And although Washington isn't in near the same situation as Sterling, um, I I kind of go back to that same point of, they're probably I don't know if happy is the right word that might be a little extreme, uh, but glad that the postseason has come when it has come, uh, considering having dropped these last three games. Uh, an opportunity that not only did those games re- not really matter in the first place, um, but they kind of shook those type of games off now um, in hopes of avoiding having those type of games in the postseason. Um, I, I feel like, and I'll kind of get to this here at the end, I feel like they'll be all right in the regional. Uh, we shall see. Uh, then we'll go to East Peoria at Streeter. Uh, God love the Raiders. <laughs> I don't... I don't even know how they got up on the bus and got up to Streeter today. Twenty three innings in their last two games, and oh by the way, they went all the way up to all the way up and over to Streeter to play two games today, um, and won both. <laughs> so, um, not not too bad, all things considered. Um, kind of an interesting first game though. They did beat the Bulldogs four to two, but eight hits and four errors. Um, couple of them with multi-hit games Gabby Lane with two Olivia Strawn with two Um, pretty spread out over the batting order no particular uh, third of it was doing any more work at least by games end uh, than the other a couple walks drawn Uh, Kalen Krotz, Gracie Luna Um, again some of these stats I can't put a whole lot of weight on because I wasn't watching them Uh, but Luna held hitless that doesn't happen a whole lot um, so I, I think that um, there's a little bit of a point of emphasis on there in terms of what Streeter was able to do there. Um, again, those of you that were at the games probably know a little bit more about how that panned out than I do. Um, Lone extra base hit uh, was Olivia Strano at a double. Uh, Meadow Terry gets to start. Interesting stat line. Uh, two innings, two hits, no earned runs, no walks, five strikeouts. So not bad, but was pulled after two. And Kiara Brown went the rest, the, the rest of the way. Uh, five innings, two hits, no earned runs, no walks, and three strikeouts. Um, and looks like, well, East PR was losing at the time, so actually, Kiara Brown should get the win. It's listed as Meadow Terry, but I would credit the win to Kiara Brown, in my opinion. Uh, just because um uh, at the time of Meadow Terry's exit from the game, uh East Peoria was trailing two to nothing. Um, so unless I'm missing something here, and maybe she came back in at the end, um, which is perfectly possible, um, I would think Yara would get credited with the win. But like I said, that's part of you know not being there, maybe not knowing exactly what happened. Um, just quick skim over the Sterling box score. Uh, McKenna Andre, uh, who I believe is their one pitcher. Um, again, it's it's been nearly two months since Metamora played them. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's the one that pitched against the Redbirds, um, and I'm pretty sure she's their ace. Um, but it strikes out 10 uh, Raiders today, um, so that's probably the most notable Streeter stat, if you will. Uh, Bats somehow came to play even more so in Game 2. Um, the middle of the game was huge for East Peoria. Five-run fourth, five-run fifth to combine for 10 runs and 16 hits. How about the extra base hits in this game as well? Uh, Kiara Brown, Mercedes Sassman, Olivia Strawn all doubled. Kalen Kratz had a triple. Mercedes Sassman had a homer. Uh, so obviously, um, I guess they had no problem going up and playing two more games. <laughs> um because to be quite frank, I, I'm a little spent just after the two games today uh, for Metamora, but and I didn't play 23 innings in the last three, four days. Um, but obviously Raiders uh, got it done, got it done well. Uh, game two, pitching stats, Emily Compton, the pitcher of record, I believe her first start post-operation. Uh, could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that's accurate, though. Her first start post-operation, uh, six innings, nine hits, four earned runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, not bad. Uh, Kaylin Gore shuts <laughs> – that's a pun, isn't it? Well, it's not a pun. It's a rhyme, though. Kaylin Gore shuts the door. One inning, no hits, no earned runs, one walk, and one strikeout. I promise you I'm not going to try and make a dad joke out of that rhyme. Uh, but Kaylin shuts the door there uh, with her one inning of work to secure a 10-4 win for East Peoria and a double-header sweep um, at the Streeter Bulldogs this afternoon. Um, we I, I say wrap up, and before anybody from Limestone that's listening tries to come after me, um, not that anybody would, but you know just for the sake of clarification, um, as we record this, um, none of Limestone's games have tabulated uh, in Game Changer. They were... They played three games up at Geneseo today, uh, playing Geneseo, number nine Geneseo, I think is Geneseo number nine or number eight, either way they're a top ten team in 3A, Uh, 3A number eight or number nine Geneseo, 4A United Township and typical 4A Power Moline, Uh, they played three games up at Geneseo today, those three opponents, Uh, like I said as of recording this at about 10 o'clock, none of those uh, games have been populated, so I do apologize to the Rockets, uh, for not getting those stats out, but at least as of my recording of this, those stats were not uh, populated, like I said. Um, so where we will finish in terms of games that happened today uh, is Dunlap at Springfield. The Eagles roll um, a little early, and they ended up adding on later on, but um, roll early to a 8-1 win over a pretty decent Springfield team, a team that's contended... Um, in the Central State 8, I believe finished second in that conference to Glenwood. You know, not that we have a whole lot of Central State 8 listeners, but I do think that's fairly accurate. Uh, but Dunlap, their big was a five-run second. Um, Springfield did have a one nothing lead early, but Dunlap took control the rest of the way with eight runs unanswered, uh, 12 hits by the end of the game. Uh, their their heart of the order crushed it. Uh Cruz, Covey, Drake, and Hopwood combined for nine of the 12 hits. Uh, Hopwood a three-hit game. Drake, Covey, and Cruz all with two. Um, And a good RBI day uh, for Powers, who had two. Matheny had one. Cleeton had one. Covey had one. Cruz had one. Uh, Didn't draw any walks, but a whole lot more positives to pull from than just that one little part of the box score. Uh, Three extra base hits, Drake, Matheny, and Hindenburg all doubled. Uh, Kennedy-Cleeton, four innings, three hits, one earned run, no walks, and four Ks. Uh, sutton Santoni goes the rest of the way, three innings, one hit, no earned runs, no walks, and six strikeouts. Um, At least according to the Eagles game changer, they, it looks like, their second game against the Senators uh, did not count towards their official record, the official record, rather, of either team. So no harm done there. And, again, I would probably report on it, nonetheless, even if it didn't count officially, uh, just to let you all know how things went down. So, again, Washington dropping both games at normal community, 3-1 and 4-3. East Peoria sweeping games at Streeter, 4-2 and 10-4. And Dunlap winning at Springfield, 8-1. And like I mentioned in our feature games, Metamora over LaSalle, Peru, 7-1. And Metamora over Sterling, 6-5. I know we've gone really long tonight. I do apologize. I I would imagine, especially with the length, that some folks are going to be listening to this in the morning uh, and not tonight. If you are listening to it tonight, that's awesome. Um, But what I am going to close with, since by the next time we greet you, it'll be time for the postseason, let you know uh, maybe not necessarily where to watch because it all depends on what each team does for live streaming, game changer, and all that jazz, uh, but literally where uh, to follow everyone in the conference. Uh, Metamora is, as we've said, hosting their regional. Uh, one other team in the conference in that regional is Dunlap. Uh, so those semifinals are coming up on Tuesday, May the 23rd. Surprise, surprise. That'll be our next post-game podcast episode. Um, Metamora plays Richwoods at 430. Uh, Dunlap plays Streeter at 6. We will have at least white coverage of both of those in terms of uh, podcast conversation um, by the end of the night. Um. So again, Tuesday the 23rd, those two games at Metamora, Metamora versus Richwoods at 430, Dunlap versus Streeter at 6, and so that, that covers two of the eight, uh, if you will. Uh, Washington hosts a regional as well. Uh, there is a quarterfinal on Monday, Limestone playing host to Peoria High at 430. Uh, Limestone, uh, all due respect to the Lions, is going to win that one. Uh, so it'll be Washington-Limestone on Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Uh, then also Washington that night, uh, Lincoln and Notre Dame. Uh, so far as I know, I would think Lincoln would win that one. But, hey, Notre Dame beat Sterling. So, and kind of back to the Sterling game, was that more of Notre Dame being good enough to beat Sterling? Or was that Sterling having a bad enough game to have lost? Uh, so you kind of take it with a grain of salt um, but the Washington Regional coming up on Tuesday, again, I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but should be Washington versus Limestone at five, and Lincoln versus Notre Dame at seven. Uh, so two conference teams in that one as well. East Peoria, um, in terms of the middle-line teams uh, in the postseason, they may have the toughest regional um, just because... Um, Washington, uh, you would think, is a decently heavy favorite to win their regional. Metamora, a decently favorite, heavy favorite to win their regional, although Dunlap's going to give them fits, I think, assuming they beat Streeter. Um, but the one that I think is literally a flip of a coin is East Pure Normal West. Um, I think if the Raiders show up, um, they got an all-conference match from the first round against Morton, Uh, And the reason I kind of vote with the tone of voice is, remember, Morton was right with Washington there on the last day of the conference regular season up until the Panthers kind of pulled away late. So if that version of Morton shows up on Tuesday night at West, you know, who knows what comes out of that game even. Um, But again, East Peoria is at normal West, as is Morton. And that covers everyone in 3A, but again, at Normal West on Tuesday, 4.30 and 6.30. Uh, the 4.30 game, although out of conference, but what the heck. Uh, Normal West versus Bloomington, Wildcats will win that one. Uh, East Peoria versus Morton. Um, again, you would think East Peoria would be favorites in that one. Uh, but again, like I said, if that Morton versus Washington version of the Potter shows up, um, although I would still probably quote-unquote pick East Peoria. Um, I, I still think it, it could be a totally different ballgame again if the Washington version of Morton uh, shows up in that one. Uh, over to 4A for our dear one-class-up friends uh, from Pekin. Uh, they are at United Township for a regional on Tuesday. Uh, the United Township regional is split up a little bit. Uh, Pekin plays Normal Community um, on Tuesday at 4.30 up at UT, and then out of area, out of conference. But just for context, the following night on Wednesday, uh, United Township plays Moline that regional championship Friday afternoon. I I think there's a very legitimate chance. In in fact, I I border on saying that Pekin's a fairly heavy favorite in that regional, um, and I think it's been a fair. Well, they made it out of the sectional, into the sectional a couple of years ago. Um, they, they got a Bradley Bourbon A team potentially waiting in the sectional semifinal. I think there's a very good chance Manuka even comes out of that regional, even though it's at Bradley Bourbonis or Bourbon A, tomato, tomato. Um, the, this, as far as a sectional championship, though, I mean, you got state finalists Edwardsville on the other half of the sectional bracket, so. We'll see how they do there, but I think Pekin's a fairly heavy favorite in their regional. I've seen United Township a little bit. A normal community could be interesting. Um, but I think if the dragons show up like they know how to play to this point of the year, um I feel like they should be heavy favorites in that regional. As positive as we've been to this point, we do unfortunately have a farewell to bid. Um Canton uh unfortunately did get eliminated. Um, in Class 2A at their host regional, uh, falling to Quincy Notre Dame in the regional championship um, on Friday, as I struggle to find it. Uh, QND shut them out 10 uh, nothing, on Friday. Like like I said with Washington Mount Zion, I'm not going to go into too much detail just because it was already yesterday and it's kind of old news at this point. Um, but uh, congratulations to the Little Giants on a successful season. And again, it's not easy to have... I would venture to say remote postseason success um, all the time under a new head coach and whatnot. I think Anna Bundy did an awesome job this year kind of holding down the fort. It's not easy to after someone like Coach Barnes uh, departs the program. Um, obviously, he's still been around, but you get the point. Um, and so Quincy Notre Dame with a win over Canton will play Olympia. That game could be tricky because uh, Quincy Notre Dame's obviously pretty good. Olympia is awesome. Uh, they've shut out their two postseason opponents twenty two to one. Uh, through their first two regional games. Uh, but it is at QND, so I wouldn't pass put it put, I the <laughs> I wouldn't put it past QND to get that game. Uh, Macomb, uh, a potential uh, sectional championship team on the other side. Um, of that one as well. Um, some other uh, notables. Um only really one i want to get to briefly um and that's um rockridge nearly got upset in the regional final kiwani uh dadgum near beat them uh rockets win 1-0 in their regional final, so the potential for a 3p is still alive um, they actually host their sectional to this rock so you would think they'd be um all right there which is kind of weird to say about a sectional but you just never know this time of year Pontiac and Beecher. Okay, this might be the matchup maybe of the 2A postseason, at least until, you know, we get a little further down the line. You got the overall talent top to bottom in the circle at the plate from Beecher. You got the talent in the circle at the plate for Pontiac. I, I think kind of like I was saying with East Peoria, Normal West, I, I think that's a flip of the coin. Um, but, an, but an awesome matchup in 2A to look forward to uh, for Tuesday. So, again, congratulations on a quality season uh, from Canton. Again, like I said, not easy to have a too horribly high amount of success in the first year of a new coaching staff. Uh, obviously, I think some light familiarity with the program, at least overall, as opposed to the varsity level, certainly helped. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, thanks to Coach Bundy uh, for her time uh, throughout the course of the season. Um, and wish them the best of luck as the off season progresses and, of course, all the Canton players uh, that have summer ball games coming up here. Um, wish them the best of luck with those games, of course, as well. So that that kind of finally uh, wraps things up. And as I record this again, I record this because before the full editing process, and we may end up over an hour. Um, I didn't cue that yawn up. By the way, I promise. <laughs> um, but um, nonetheless, I appreciate you all listening. Uh, had a lot to get to, had the Metamora uh, thoughts, the Metamora highlights, the Metamora interviews, um, and then kind of one last time taking you through an effectively full day in the conference. But from here, it's time for postseason softball. Uh, we'll be off the rest of the weekend, off Monday as well. Uh, we will have a postseason, game episode for you on Monday night. Uh, it'll probably go out probably around this time, honestly, unfortunately. I don't like putting them out this late, uh, but that'll be what happens on Tuesday um, as we feature the Metamore versus Richwoods regional semifinal and the Dunlap versus Streeter regional semifinal. So thanks, everyone, for bearing with me through quite the extensive episode. Appreciate you tuning in. This has been another presentation of the mid Softball Podcast. Let's go have a postseason regional recap on Tuesday. So long.